재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Our rock scholar is here in the studio to bring deep knowledge about the Republic of Korea, the rock, which is, of course, very much in the news because of the Olympics down in Rio. His name is Alex Sigrist, and he's here once again to enlighten us all with his uh, nerdy wisdom. Hey, Alex. Hey, how's it going, Kurt? Is it nerdy? Was it fair of me to say? You get um, nerdy on this yeah. stuff in a good way. It is. Um, I think it's it's okay now. We're allowed to say the word nerdy. It's no longer a derogatory thing <laughs> against come, us. We've come out of the closet, <laughs> we nerds, right? It, it, uh, true. I mean, I guess when in the 90s, it was kind of like a little weird to yeah. be called nerdy, like a too smart. But nowadays, if you're nerdy at something, I think it was made cool by people like you know Bill Nye. Um, Neil deGrasse Tyson and people who were like were so passionate that it got other people interested. Of so. course, not to mention you yeah. know Bill Gates and Steve oh, Jobs. Yeah. You know, hey, you know, you called me a nerd back then. I run the world now. <laughs> <laughs> FYI, just okay. so you know. <laughs> Let's jump in. We're talking. You know, Olympics is the big headline, and uh, it, it, it's nice to see South Korea really kind of stepping up into the spotlight. Yeah. You know, they are I think the the fourth ranked medal holding power now uh, at these particular games, and. Uh, um, for many South Koreans of a certain age, uh, hosting the Olympics is a memory that uh, you know is a, is very big in their growing up process or in South Korea's emerging process. And a lot of people are looking forward to the Olympics coming up in Pyeongchang. So uh, you've got a little look for us at what it's like, what it means to host the games. Yeah, I think Korea does have a special, unique place in that uh, it does. Kind of, it triggers a memory of pride in a way because it also represents a symbolic shift in the way that Korea's government was run. Uh-huh. And so it's it's really interesting the past to look into that, but it's not always so rosy. I mean, we're looking at the uh, the Olympics right now, and I do see a lot of. Um, I would say there's a lot of parallels with the way that Korea's Olympics occurred in ni- in 1988. These, um, Just in a nutshell, were the 1988 Seoul Olympics smooth? Did they go off in, in terms of infrastructure and whatnot smoothly? Um, I would say the actual event uh, did fairly well, okay. but the w- the lead up to it was kind of the big shakeup. It All was right. the I believe it was '87 when they had to complete. They had to do uh, impromptu elections to satisfy the public, and so the public actually rose up and. Uh, Kind of fun. Now that's what happened in Rio, in a way, and there's been a lot of political shakeups. But the difference is we haven't seen that change in the the positive change, if you will. Now it's something that could happen after the Olympics, but um, yeah, right now Rio's just Brazil's out- politics are still very much in flux right now. Yeah. Now to be fair, though, the Olympics seem to be going off without a hitch as far as the games are concerned. But when it, the behind the scenes stuff in Rio is uh is not so pretty. Okay. Okay, so uh, how shall we get this kind of uh, taxiing down the runway, this whole discussion of either, you know, Seoul, Rio, then, now, where do we go? Well, I was thinking for today we have a little bit of fun and kind of put ourselves in the shoes of those who are trying to vie for a spot for the Olympics, trying to get their city involved. So we're going to ask the audience here to kind of 
Be an active participant and sort of imagine that you yourself are trying to convince the International Olympic Committee that they should come to your city. You are a representative for your country who has a city vying for the 2024 Summer Olympics. Imagine if your city gets it. Think of all the international exposure, tourism, pride. People all around the world will know you, your hometown, your country, great new sports facilities, public transportation, maybe a new train that gets you across the whole country in an hour. Can you really put a price on all of that? Well, you can. Most Olympics cost the destination cities a lot. They go into heavy debt and they lose money as a whole. How much are you willing to pay for the above-mentioned items? $100 million? $200 million? $1 billion U.S. dollars? $2 billion? What about $44 billion? Well, according to the new graft laws, Mr. Olympic Commissioner, we can only take you out to a 30,000 won lunch, so <laughs> that's that all the you, new price. All you can eat Brazilian buffet? <laughs> yeah, oh, you're not that. You, I can be I'm afraid that, that does not qualify. Yeah, no, oh, this, that's we've right. Got They're like, at 34 uh, now. Bola Gigue and a few side dishes uh, because uh, 30,000 won isn't going to take you too, too far. But. So that means you'd have to like take me to lunch for the next like 20 years? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take you on a, on a amortization schedule of 50 years. I'll take you to Denjang Jige three times a day okay that's a that's a deal you can have the olympics um how, how much do here. the olympics really cost i mean forget the process of uh coaxing the yeah. commission and the team mm-hmm. to pick you but once you get to put them on how much do they actually cost uh we here at cruise are not saying anything about the rio olympics <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on now oh my goodness um so it depends really on on what charts you look at and i had a lot of trouble like looking at the numbers so i'm going to kind of briefly mention this up front the numbers depend on what you're counting are you including infrastructure are you not including infrastructure are you including the advertisements to try and get to the international olympics committee to pick your city no you have to i think you have to get rid of those the persuasion process i think you can leave off okay if If, you're building brand new infrastructure that says olympic stadium of course you include that right yeah. Well, again, depending on usually they come with an asterisk at the bottom. Does it include? Does it not? So it can be a little bit cheaper. Now, the most expensive ones I could find were fifteen billion. That wasn't necessarily including infrastructure, and that was in London. London oh. had the most, which you know is the most recent, uh, twenty twelve. Sure. Beijing was also expensive, but here's where that disparity comes in. Uh, you, I've seen numbers anywhere from seven billion U.S. dollars to twelve uh, to like. 12 billion but you get up to like 44 billion when you get these numbers that people try to add all the costs including infrastructure including improvements in tourism that are related to it you get some really high numbers for those beijing olympics and the figures that you're looking at are they just sort of nominal dollars or are they inflation adjusted dollars to 2016 Uh, the ones that you and i in particular are looking at are uh, adjusted for inflation so if you go back to like the tokyo olympics in 64 it was uh the least expensive Olympics, which is on current dollars around 282 million U.S. dollars. But if you look back then, oh, I got to do the math in my head quickly. Uh, it was like 78 or 87 million U.S. dollars, something like that. Really? Okay. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Just for inflation, the most expensive uh, were going in order. Still a bargain, that Tokyo one. Yeah. <laughs> um, were London, um, 
Athens was quite expensive. Beijing also very expensive. But of course, these are the two thousand in the two thousands, so it makes a lot of sense. It was definitely a bargain uh, in that. But but again, I guess the cost of maybe built uh, labor costs were a lot cheaper back then、uh, for Japan. So there's a lot to take into consideration. Fair enough. Hey, can I ask you one thing? You don't have to know this. No, you can't. But you get extra questions. <laughs> <laughs> In a nutshell,、uh, is it generally more expensive to put on a winter or a summer Olympics? It's definitely more expensive to put on a summer Olympics. But、um, we'll look into some numbers later. But the Korean ones aren't going to be cheap necessarily for the Winter Olympics、okay. in 2018. A lot of the issues isn't. It doesn't have much much to do with the. Eventual cost of the Olympics because the eventual cost of the Olympics, the city usually tries to kind of match that with how much increased tourism revenue where they get, how much exposure. The problems come in when you overrun your expected costs. Don't they all? They all do, but not all as much as the Montreal Olympics、uh, in 1976. That oh, it was an overrun of 720 percent. <laughs> 720. How do you、uh, miss that number? Yeah. Okay. So, guys, the good news is we've got this Olympics. It's going to go off. <laughs> Bad news: it costs seven times what we thought it was going to cost. <laughs> so it, was, it was an unbelievable number,、um, and they, it was going so bad and over budget that the IOC actually thought about moving the event to Mexico、really? at that time, just、wow. to, like almost giving up. There were strikes for those Olympics. Sochi also,、um, Sochi Olympics also have that. Kind of bad reputation of going quite over budget, especially due to the corruption、sure. that took place. So that's what usually ends up killing these these cities economically. Yeah, I'd be interested that what the ROI, the return on investment、ah. of、uh, Olympic Games are, but、um, I, I imagine that's different place to place as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.、Uh, we're going to look at that right now. Kind of is the investment in Olympics good? So the first thing to kind of make sure that our audience does know is that、um, the Olympics is not this kind of goodwill, free for all, United Nations sort of kind of intergovernment game. This is a private business. This is the International Olympics Committee, and, and as one you know econ- economist pointed out, it's a it's an unregulated international monopoly. How interesting to phrase it that way. Yeah, you usually think of the Olympics and the Olympics Committee as this sort of feely fuzzy. NGO kind of thing,、yeah. but like you said, it's a brand. It's a brand, and how they choose the city. These are private business decisions that go into it, and so you end up having cities kind of bidding to get into the Olympics. You're you're fighting. So Chicago was one of the cities that was fighting to be in the 2016 Olympics, and it failed. But what they do is they go to the Olympics Committee and say, "Here's how much money we're going to spend, and here's how much." Awesome, cool infrastructure we're going to build up if you come to our city, and they put a lot of money into advertising that, and they put a lot of money then. Then they outbid each other, and that's what happened with the Rio Olympics. Is they outbid in a way. They also kind of said they sort of tried to make it sound.、Um, uh, well, it was the new emerging economy. It was the BRICS economy. They thought this was a great way to showcase it. Sure.、Um, I don't. I'm, I'm guessing there was a little bit more behind the. Under the table stuff going on, be, there,、yeah. there would have had to have been because economically, within a year, economists were pointing out how bad of a decision it was to host the Olympics in Rio this year.、Mm. So they must have just ignored some of those facts. So economically speaking,、um, it's 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 expensive, and there's an, an average cost overrun of about a hundred and fifty six percent in real terms. This is at least according to the University of Oxford's、uh, business school. 
And they did the study from 1960 to 2016. Uh-huh. And it's expensive. This is now comparing the bid cost, which is how much they say it will cost when they present it to the IOC. Which is almost always going to be understated, isn't right. it? Almost always. And um, versus the final cost of the Olympics. Now, one interesting thing is economically, stock markets in that country have done well after the Olympics have been hosted. So this was kind of one of those correlation, not causation things. But they just kind of tested stock markets after the Olympics. And it found out that actually stock markets within the country do better uh, as a whole after the Olympics um, when you're looking at uh, the, the different countries that have held them in the past. It almost reminds me of the post-political convention bump, you know? Yeah. Uh, maybe people are just f- in this such a feel-good mode about that particular country or so mm-hmm. on that uh, it just lifts all boats. Yeah, yeah. Um, so with the exception of Sydney in 2000, but this was actually done by the Australia and New Zealand banking group. They did a study on this. So I thought that was quite interesting. And I, so I pulled up the stock market, the KOSPI from uh, Korea. Okay. And it was already going up in 1988. It was it continued to go up uh, for about a year or two, uh, and then it just leveled off for a long time. So it does seem to be, like you said, a temporary bump that didn't necessarily sustain itself. I'm skeptical of this one. Mm. Um, I, I see the numbers, but I'm skeptical. It's interesting. I, I guess you could extrapolate and say, if a successful Olympics goes down in a certain place, you can draw conclusions about that place's political stability or its uh, you know, ability yeah. to, to handle problems, whatnot. Yeah, I feel like, especially when a, the International Olympics Committee, besides Brazil, um, when they select a city, they're choosing somebody on the up and up. Yeah. Or even if they chose Atlanta, it's, you know, the U.S. is consistently doing well. They're always choosing people on the up and up, and that was kind of the case with Korea in 1988. So, uh, correlation, not causation. They yeah. chose a city that they thought would do well because economically it looked prosperous. It did well. And yeah. of course, the economics continued to be prosperous for a while. I'm skeptical of this one. This is not a reason to, this is not a reason to want to be an Olympic city. Right. It's more of a validation. Yeah. The same fundamentals that drove the committee to select your city basically are driving the stock market and driving the uh, sense of optimism about your, your, your place. Yeah, and this is kind of this is the fun of um, figuring out why cities want to be the Olympic hosts because they, like I said, they lose money often. They they don't necessarily lose. Um, it's not all a bad thing, but they do it consistently for one reason, especially up and coming uh, countries. Can you guess what that would be? Why do a lot of maybe the non-established countries really want to host the Olympics? Well, it it strikes me that it's a club. You know, if you've hosted the Olympics, you're in a. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you're in a, a, club. It's a. You know, it's a bad analogy, but it's a little bit like the nuclear weapons club. You know, if you if you attain that, then you're in this little sort of you know uh, narrow elite. And if you're a country that has hosted the Olympics, then you're in this elite club. Right. You're you're looking for legitimization. Legitimization. Legitimacy. legitimacy. You've, you've earned legitimacy for yes. your country. You're becoming. You're getting this legitimacy for your country. Um, and you can do that in, in two ways. One, it's outside looking in, but also, of course, inside looking to your own government. You, you get a sense of pride. You, if you're hosting the Olympics and you're the government and it goes off really well and lots of countries mm. and news mm. organizations give your country praise, then you're thinking, wow, my government regime will continue to look good because my people will be proud of what we have accomplished. Did you uh, watch the Beijing opening games those years ago? 
the yeah. opening ceremonies. Yeah. Those were terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, talk about legitimacy. I, I watched those opening ceremonies and I was like, all hail our new masters. You know, right. that was, you know, China's uh, moment of, hey, we've got it together here in China. I, I think this was a success story. I think yeah. China was a success story. And not if you're afraid of China, obviously, but if, if you look at the way that people talked about China after that, yeah. if you listen to the way people said, okay, now they're actually a power. Yes. I think China did really well. And it's so interesting. The opening games are where the country can choose to make a statement about itself to the world, right? Yeah. It, can, it can either say, hey, look, at, we're simple people, we sing, we dance, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or China, that was a very calculated display of synchronicity, power, mm-hmm. unity, and those came through very strongly in those opening ceremonies. Yeah, I, I man, just looking back to the way that people talked about China, and this, this is true also of uh, Korea in a way, but the difference between someone talking about China um, or Korea in 2005 is so different from the way they talked about it in 2011, 12. Uh. And, then, you know, obviously you've uh, been around the area as well, so you know as well, but that was a great moment for... I guess it, it, the way that we're looking at it, it's a great moment to prove what we're talking about, where the Olympics can be used to legitimize what you're doing, to show the world, this is who we are, we're here, get used to it. Okay. And they did. And so I, I thought it was really interesting com- to compare that to Brazil and Korea. Can you walk us through, uh, very briefly, Korea's uh, mini Olympic history? Oh, man. This is so, let me see, look at the time here. Um, yes, it's, this is the interesting part. This is, to me, the most interesting part of what we're talking about today is how it had the opposite effect and yet at the same time it had it still had the effect of giving Korea legitimacy. So the Olympics were actually uh the 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 bidding started um a long time ago in the Puck, the former president Park Chung-hee's era um but you know his unfortunate and end of his regime happened and then it was kind of continued on by the former president Chun Doo Hwan uh-huh. and he really wanted to legitimize his regime they wanted he wanted people to say what i'm doing in korea is is great look at korea look at how well we're doing uh, we can continue sort of this authoritarian regime and do well. So he was, I think, the first South Korean leader to bid for the Olympics, right? Um, well, it started before him, but he was the one that uh, he was the leader when it was officially um, when it when they were officially awarded the Olympics. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, very good, yeah. So he had this in mind, and what happened was the opposite. Well, his regime legitimacy um, faded. It was this is up to the 1987, you know, the the rebellion basically of the Korean people that led to the impromptu elections that that kind of add to the democracy. So it actually took away from his regime's legitimacy. But because of that, it's always talked about positively in in the overall in in terms of Korea Uh and that Korea became a legitimate democracy because of the Olympics. Interesting. So for the country... It was a good thing, in a way, as far as legitimacy is concerned. It's almost like this uh, fulcrum that uh, you know we've we've got sort of a compass north to aim for, which is to hold the Olympics and have a successful Olympics. So we've really got to get it together. You know, the country can't be in free fall or constantly you know divided against itself for a long time. It's nice to have that sort of target on the horizon that everybody's kind of striving for. Yeah, yeah. And now comparing that very quickly to China and to Brazil, um, China. Of of course, they held it together and they held their regime together, which was something that you know the U.S. was hoping 
oh, maybe they'll become more democratic. They look to Korea's example, but that's not what happened in China. And then in Brazil, um, like you just mentioned, you're supposed to hold it together <laughs> and not have feces in your water. Was there they, feces <laughs> in the water? That's, uh, uh, there is in the, uh, in the outdoor swimming events. Oh, my goodness. That's the, the sewage goes straight into the... Stop it. Okay. Really? <laughs> I haven't read. I, 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 Have you not heard about the super bacteria? I'm uh, okay. That, I mean, uh, that's for another day. But. Okay, so we can do uh, at some point a uh, breakdown of um, you know post mortem, shall we say, of the Olympics uh, as we get further into it. I was unaware of the feces swimming pool. I haven't followed the not swimming pool outdoor. This is the, oh, the, the outdoor, rivers. The rivers. The rivers. Okay. Yeah. So. so it's not the Olympic swimming. Not pools. the swimming pool. Swimming- <laughs> <laughs> well, that would have been more interesting. <laughs> Okay, let's not start any rumors here. Let's uh, briefly, we've got about a minute or so left. Let's look forward to Pyeongchang. What uh, challenges does Korea need to face and keep uh, keep its eyes on? Uh, The main thing is that Gangwon province is taking on a lot of the debt, and that's becoming an issue. They're looking to see if Seoul can kind of pick up some of the, or the central government can pick up some of the tab. Um, I, I really expect that to happen, and I expect Korea's Winter Olympics to actually be more of the legitimizing have that legitimizing effect that they were looking for in the 88 the government was looking for i think that korea will look really good on an overall scale they'll they'll do it well and unless there's kind of some kind of freak global warming there is no snow event yeah uh i'm expecting great things i'm looking forward to this i'm a winter olympics guy what are we talking about cost wise here um if we're looking at the cost right now um uh, it looks like the Pyeongchang Olympics are going to exceed around 11 trillion won, which is about 10 billion U.S. dollars. That's why Kangwon Province is really looking for help right now. They're going into a lot of debt mm. to make sure that this build, these buildings are being built. The main, uh, the main ski resorts, like 1.5 billion already. Yes. It's it's a lot of U.S. dollars. So, well, if Korea knows how to do anything, it's logistics, construction, and transportation. I think it, I'm looking forward. It's going to be a positive uh, impact on Korea. I have so. no doubt about that yeah. as well. All right, Mr. Rock Scholar Alex Sigrist, thank you very much for coming in once again. Always a pleasure. And that'll do it for Koreascape today. Our show is produced by E.Q. Huang with associate production by Jamie Lee. Writing is done by Nikki Kim. I'm Kurt Asian. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter. The handle is Koreascape. We're back tomorrow again, of course. And Amy in the Morning is coming up next for those of you in Seoul. If you're in Gwangju or Yosu, Hello Korea is up next. We'll see you tomorrow.